This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by the Friends of the Magic Word. This week, we'd like to welcome David Jones as our newest friend to the Magic Word. Thank you, David, for your financial donation through PayPal. We certainly appreciate that, and it is because of financial supporters like you who become our friends that keeps this podcast going from week to week and hopefully from year to year. Gosh, we're coming up on uh, 12 years. That's kind of amazing. So thank all of you very much for listening. Thank you for your support. And if you can find a few bucks that you can put our way from time to time, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can go to themagicwordpodcast.com and click on the tab that says Become a Friend of the Magic Word, and it will give you more information about how you can join and why it is we can use your financial support. So again, thank you, David, and welcome to the Friends of the Magic Word, and welcome to all the rest of you who are listening this week. And I have a wonderful guest this week who is from Illinois, someone who I had met many years ago and used to work with David Parr on the Magic Chicago Cabaret, I believe it was called. And we had a conversation probably 10 or 11 years ago when I was in Chicago with both him and David Parr talking about kind of what they were doing. Well, it was around that time, soon thereafter or so, that uh, he had left, that is, uh, P.T. Murphy had uh, left to go to uh, Galena and seek out his own future. I have had several podcasts in the past where we have talked about theaters, magic theaters, places where people can uh, go to watch magic when you're traveling around the country. In fact, I have a uh, if you go to the magicwordpodcast.com, there is a tab that says Magic Theaters, and it lists all that I know of around the world. Uh, so any place that you can go, if you're traveling, you can go and check that out. But aside from that, this is someone who has decided to branch out and make it on his own. He was in Chicago, which is a place where a lot of magic happens and a lot of really great magicians, and there were a lot of fish in that sea. But when he moved to Galena, which is a small tourist town, up in northwestern Illinois, he became almost immediately a big fish in a much smaller pond because there are not many, if any, other magicians I know of who are working up in that area. So this is one way that you might consider perhaps making your own way then too and might be inspired by what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to step out of the way and introduce my guest, Mr. Patrick P.T. Murphy, here on The Magic Word. Today we're going to go to Illinois, actually to northern Illinois, and visit with a friend that I haven't uh, spoken to for a while. He is uh, someone who has got his own show and uh, just so happens he's celebrating his 10th year anniversary with his uh, show up in Galena, Illinois. P.T. Murphy is a friend of mine I've known for uh, quite a while. I remember, I believe, first meeting him when he was working with uh, David Parr back in Chicago and they had the Chicago Cabaret. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but he was also involved with the uh, creation of uh, Magic 
Project Chicago, and then he has also just had uh, a lot of friends, obviously, in and around the Chicago area that he grew up with and who have mentored him or influenced his magic in one way or another, and somebody who uh, certainly has a deep background in magic. And uh, it's interesting, too, because we do talk to a lot of stage magicians. We've talked to close-up magicians, but not necessarily to a lot of what I would call parlor magicians or people who really specialize in stand-up kind of a thing. And uh, P.T. is one of those guys, again, who has been uh, working like with his one-man show here, again, before with his two-man show, before he'd left Chicago to go to Galena. And uh, Galena is just a, um, I can't really say a suburb of Chicago, but it is a little bit further up north uh, from Chicago. So it's kind of in the area, I guess, if you will. So we're going to find out all about that and about his uh, his show and how he had migrated up there and how he developed the show and found the theater and, and all that kind of thing. Because I think it's of interest to a lot of people who today would like to have their own flexibility of having their own place where they can go and perform. Uh, but it's not one of those things you just kind of flip the the switch and all of a sudden you got success. It uh, comes from years of, of, of hard work. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So please welcome my guest today, Mr. P.T. Murphy. Hey there, P.T. How are you, man? Hey, Scott. How are you? Long time no see. <laughs> it has been quite a while. You are I... keeping that youthful look. <laughs> Whoa. Well, thank you. It's, you don't notice the gray coming in as quickly because... <laughs> It's gradual. Um, <laughs> the last time I saw you was at Magic Live, I think, in 2019. I believe you're right. Just, just before everything got shut down. Just before, yeah, before COVID yeah, yeah, uh, and everything. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they didn't have Magic Live then for the next couple of years or anything, but that's right. Uh, that's always a great convention. Well, what about the uh, bizarre conventions that um, Oh yeah. That Tony Andruzzi had used to put on? Yeah, back in the day. Now, see, I that was stuff I knew nothing about. I was still a teenager living in the suburbs. I knew nothing about those conventions until later. And I I don't remember when the last one was. Okay. Um, But I remember meeting Tony at Magic Incorporated. This is one of my favorite. He was (laughs) friendly. Yeah. He was very open to sharing information. Um, He had a twinkle in his eye that I didn't know if he was, I didn't know what he was up to. (laughs) He sort of had that little twinkle as if he was holding something back. My my favorite, I'd seen him lecture at Magic Inc., but he lived not too far from the shop and I would travel from the suburbs and just hang out there for the day. And one day he was in there. Um, I was downtown to attend an acting class later that evening and Tony was there and there was a man by the name of father John Mm -hmm. who worked behind the counter. He was a Catholic priest and on his days off, he'd come in and hang out at the magic shop, but he also drove a cab, which is already a weird story to begin with, right? <laughs> so here's a Catholic priest, works at the magic shop, and part-time drives a cab. Sounds like a joke I'm right getting, there. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, and I live, I was right in the middle of it. Yeah. I'm at the magic shop, and Tony says, oh, it's time for me to go. And I say, yeah, it's time for me to go. And Father John's like, well, which way are you guys heading? I'm going south. And we were both like, well, we're going south. Mm-hmm. Well, here I am in a cab. The front seat, a priest is driving the cab. Yeah. And in the back seat, I'm with like evil 
incarnate Tony Andruzzi, a Satanist, and it, it it well, it wasn't lost on me. I was maybe nineteen years old, eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. and it was just such a awesome thing to be able to say to myself, "Here I am in Chicago. I just left the magic shop, and these are the two <laughs> magicians I'm traveling southbound in a taxi cab with." Yeah, and it's one of my favorite Tony Andruzzi memories. Well, it's kind of um, funny because you stop and think about how magic binds us, and how, regardless of our backgrounds or our interests or whatever it is, that's something we have in common. Is we lay aside our politics and our religion, our beliefs absolutely. and whatever, and it's like, hey, let me show you this new double lift. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and Tony was if if you had a question, Tony was more than happy to answer your questions or you know, refer you to certain material or that sort of thing. Well, now you were talking really about nice hanging out then at the magic shops. I remember Don Weiberg telling me about how many magic shops they used to have back, I guess, in the day when there were like six yeah. in this, within two blocks of downtown of each other, I guess, in, in, yeah. in the heyday and everything. But then a little at a time, they started expanding, going to the suburbs, and then a little at a time started uh, going out. So uh, tell me about someone like uh, uh, Izzy Rizzy's and uh, Riley's and some of the places that you used well, to hang out. <laughs> You know Don well. Don has a few years on me. So he remembers um, a period of time that only existed in history books for me. Um, <laughs> I mean that with love, Don. Well, he's um, 88 years old now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, and he looks great and he, he sounds does. great. He does. He's fantastic. Um, and he's like the sweetest guy. And he has all this information. Right. For me, I only read about the magic shops that were downtown, like Ireland's and um, some some of the other places right around the loop. Um, but for me, um, growing up on the south side, the two main magic shops were a place called Izzy Rizzy's, um, which was across the street from a magic club called Little Bit of Magic. Hmm. You say and magic club, was it a lounge, was it a bar? Or was it was that a lounge. Actually? Yeah, okay. it was a lounge, it was a bar. I don't ever remember going in there again because I was so young. Right. I didn't know that I could walk in there and there might be a Sunday show for kids. I I, I just didn't know any better. Um, but there were Izzy Rizzy's and there was Riley's um, and then there was Magic Inc. And those were the three main magic shops that were still around when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And we would we would, you know, take little trips to each one. Izzy Rizzy wasn't so far. I had I wasn't driving yet, so I'd have to ask my dad, hey, can you drive us to 63rd and Pulaski? And he's like, sure, what are you doing over there? <laughs> um, well, there's a magic shop. Um, or 111th, and I'm trying to remember if it was Western. I don't know, Riley's had a couple of locations. Um, but the big trip was always Magic Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And that was... a uh, train ride and then an l ride and then a walk up lincoln avenue to um 5082 north lincoln now you probably went there not just to see what some of the newest magic was but also to see who's hanging out there that day and learning from people right in in my teens i didn't know any better Mm -hmm. um in my teens i was probably there i know for a fact that that when I was younger, the guys working behind the Connor um, might be somebody like Jim Steinmeier, um, might be Tim Felix. I don't know if you know Tim. Tim very he well. Yeah. Midwest, He's got Midwest, Midwest Magic. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Hot Dog Saturdays. Um, I love getting one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, Fred Zimmerman, who's a performer in Chicago. These are guys who are sort of the generation before us. Mm-hmm. Um, and before, you know, Jim Steinmeier went on to become Jim Steinmeier, yeah. he'd be hanging out. So there were guys that I was probably talking to. I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. Now, when I probably hit about 18, 19, and I was more mobile and I would sort of drive myself into the city uh, to take acting classes um, or just to drive up to go to the magic shop. I used to hang out there uh, with Bruce Bernstein for just hours on end, Hmm. hours on end. And Bruce was so accommodating, answered all my questions. Wasn't Bruce the guy who used to advertise in the Lincoln Ring all the time, had a lot of bill tricks and things? Was that the guy? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I know that he advertised he his, his linking. Uh, Bruce Bernstein is a mentalist. Okay, I can think of a um, completely different guy. Never mind. You might know him. He he created um, early on. He created um, a, a I want to say packet trick, but it's more than that. Called Psych Out. Okay. Um, and Gabe uh, published um, a compendium of his works. Uh, a few years ago, and the title escapes me. If I could actually read anything that's on my shelf, um, okay, I'd be able to tell you. But my eyesight's not as good as it used to be. But Bruce was one um, of the guys you used to hang out with. He was around your range oh, yeah. then. Or yeah, he. Well, okay. Bruce. Bruce is older. He used to work at Magic Inc. Um, mm-hmm. during the daytime, during the week. Yeah. Um, and he turned me on to just everything. He turned me on to uh, the book Nightmare Alley and the movie Nightmare Alley wow. by William Lindsay Gresham. Yeah. Um, he turned me on to some Max Maven stuff. By the way, um, Nightmare Alley, let me just insert this for just yeah. a moment. That, yeah, yeah. Which recently with uh, uh, Guillermo, who had completed the new movie then, uh, is it, phenomenal. I think the, um, uh, the, the um, uh, artistic pictures you know this is 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 great uh, the cinematography is what i'm trying to say but i went back to the original one it's in black and white i would recommend to people if you've not yet seen nightmare alley or even if you have to see the original one that's in black and white on youtube you can watch for free yeah uh, oh, wow. So it is uh, available and out there and has a little bit different kind of an ending uh, than what uh, guillermo del toro uh, had so uh, it um, it's it's worth going back and seeing so i'm just saying you can uh, go and take a take a look at that yeah and if you haven't read the book, you need to read the book. Really? The book is a bit different than either one of the movies. Well, that's interesting. Okay, and there good. are a few sections in the book that I was hoping I was going to see in the Guillermo del Toro version, mm-hmm. but probably for length, they, they Had to cut it didn't out. film them or they edited them edited mm-hmm. them out. Um, but the book, I'd rank the book top and then both movies a little bit side side by side. I like I like both movies for different yeah. reasons. Well, it's interesting. Um, I understand. I was listening to a podcast with Guillermo uh, Toro, and he was talking about how he had purchased the rights with that. He and, uh, help me, the fellow who had started the movie with him, Brad. Um, oh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Uh, I think the two of them, as I understand it, a long time ago, I want to say in the 
eighties or nineties or sometime back then purchased the rights for that because they had read the book. They saw the original one. They said, we can redo this in today. And they never got around to it or didn't get the funding. I don't know what the deal was until recently that they'd actually done that. So, but but they had it and held it for a long time because their intent was to make this new movie. So anyhow, uh, yes, the book is available. And a a while back we had a a podcast I did with Jeanette Andrews in which we had a couple of books talking about the devil in white city, which was another Chicago book and everything. So here we are talking about again the magic word scotty's book club so it's uh, scotty you're right <laughs> so if you'll go to the website at the magic word podcast.com uh on the one on jeanette andrews we've got a couple of links there where you can help us on amazon whenever you buy something that uh, we get a little love from them also and i'll have a link then to uh this uh book that you can buy uh, of the uh, nightmare alley so sorry yeah I, I, off on a no, that's okay it's a great book i know I, I just remember bruce saying to me okay you have to read this book right yep. um and and he turned me on to a lot of things. He turned me on to Eugene Berger. Hmm. There was a lecture coming up. This was maybe 1983, 84, I don't remember. I was 18, 19 years old. And he said, you, you have to go to this. And he, he gave me the flyer. And my friend Frank Wright and I, who who's my magic buddy since we were 12 years old, um we're like okay if bruce says we have to go we're gonna go so that saturday rolls around now this was the early 80s and magic inc was still very busy for their lectures Mm -hmm. this was before other magic shops and other Mm -hmm. magic clubs had um sort of formed and um lecturers were sort of branching off and Nowadays, a lecturer may come to Chicago and do three or four uh, lectures within the area. Um, This is when it was still one central location. So there were a lot of people for this lecture. Mm -hmm. And we were standing in the lobby and there were some guys out front smoking um, cigarettes. It was cold out. And and there was this guy um, with, with, you know, bald and this long gray beard and he was dressed in black and um, I remember he had sort of a, the jacket of the time was the members only style jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was zipped up and he was smoking a cigarette and he had his round glasses. And I turned to my friend Frank and I said, I wonder who that rabbi looking dude is out front. <laughs> and as if he had heard what we said, yeah. he walked in, looked me right in the eye and said, hi, I'm Eugene Berger. <laughs> and frank and i were like how did he did he hear us how did he know yeah and that lecture i mean that lecture i want to say it changed my life it, it didn't change my life it it verified for me that there were people out there who really took magic seriously i mean not too seriously but they took it seriously and they wanted to present it well and share it with people after seeing that lecture i was just like oh this is so great because before the only other person i had seen was doug henning on tv Mm -hmm. and doug henning you know had a style where it was all about believing in magic and uh, you you only saw him on TV unless you were lucky enough to see him live, but to see somebody up close who presented magic as if it were magical Mm -hmm. 
Like I hadn't seen that, you know. I mean, I'm from Chicago, so um, it, myself included, my style, a lot of jokes, a lot of self-deprecating humor. Um, I try to take certain serious moments seriously, but that sh sort of Chicago style of magic, Matt Shulian-esque, where everybody's involved and mm -hmm. you're trying to present a good time. Um, Eugene had all of those elements, but he also had that, those moments of woo-woo, where you were just like, whoa, what well, the heck just happened here? You're exactly right. I believe Eugene did have that way of presenting that as something that was believable uh, in a completely different style than Doug Henning, obviously. But Henning was also trying sure, to say that sure. this is magic and woo, look at this, is cool. But I believe that, and they both created art in a different way. I think sure. that Doug Henning's art was a uh, of the eyes. It was very visual with all the psychedelic colors and the nature of the day with uh, uh, with, with just that, the, you know, kind of the hippie days, yeah. I guess, in the 60s and 70s yeah. that he had grown up in. And you see the the uh, the colors of all of his costumes and his backdrops and his, his, uh, his uh, props and everything. Whereas Eugene was focusing something smaller and his stage was just within about a two foot frame, basically, where with, with his hands and his voice where he would create art and i could see where he would have something that would be transformational maybe not life-changing but transformational uh, to you pt in which that you then realize for the first time this is not just a hobby or a fun thing to have like michael Mar would say bubblegum for the eyes but something that can be artistic that people can remember and change them in some way to make them remember or to think about something so that was kind of something I think that Eugene had offered. I think that's kind yeah, of what I hear you saying. For sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that was the thing. I remember thinking to myself, here's somebody who's having only seen Doug Henning perform on TV and on stage. Mm -hmm. um, my takeaway from Doug Henning was that this was serious. Um, he wanted it to be fun, but he also didn't want to... Um, um, what's the sort of brush off how important uh, the magic was. Um, that's the thing I got from Eugene, mm -hmm. that moment um, of magic, that moment of amazement. That was important. Is, is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was the same thing. But here was a guy who was sitting right in front of me mm -hmm. and he's performing magic and i yeah. i had never experienced that i mean i'd seen a lot of close-up magic living in chicago but never somebody who said hey watch this mm -hmm. i'm gonna blow your mind it was more sort of treated as a joke or um, now, hey that's amazing did you see him then later? Of course, he was working at Biggs, I think it was, yeah. right there in Chicago yeah. as a regular. Yeah. So you could see him publicly. I know he did a lot of private performances and then started traveling all over the world. But uh, did you see him in his uh, element, I guess, when he was working yeah. at Yeah, I used to go to Biggs quite frequently. Um, he, he would perform in the dining room on request, but he would also perform. There was a lounge... Um, sort of sub street level you kind of had to go down the stairs like cheers mm -hmm. you had to go down the stairs and you could enter this lovely lounge a small little bar uh, maybe 10 tables and i would just sit at the bar um and you know the bartenders were very cool um i would i i don't drink 
Um, but you know, I would have a diet Coke, um, and I would make sure that I tipped well so that, you know, he didn't think I was some deadbeat just, you know, nursing my <laughs> diet Coke and right. wasn't going to, wasn't going to tip him. Um, but yeah, I would watch Eugene go from table to table and hmm. I would, I would just watch. And that was the best, those Did were you, the best lessons. What just was the watching dynamic? him perform. What was the dynamic with the people who were at his table? In other words, did you feel like they were having a good time and they were fun and then he would come oh, and yeah. it's like he had a had a different disposition after he left the table no. thinking, what the heck happened there? You know, what was no, that like? Eugene was a very friendly personality. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of the genius with Biggs is people knew that he was circulating. So they knew that this man might come over and say, hi, how are you? Would you like to see some magic? Or they had requested him. So they were expecting it. And when Eugene came to sit down, Eugene was having just as much fun as everybody else at the table. Um, I I guess maybe you might think that he would get kind of serious, but it it, it wasn't, he didn't alter the mood. He kept uh, the festivities alive and he added to the discussion um he added um you know if if people were out as a group he would have the the group interact with each other Mm -hmm. um and then you know he might just end the set by completely frying their mind and you'd hear this giant gasp from the group and he would kind of walk away smiling (laughs) and then the next group be like what's going on over there and he'd like oh well here Pick a card. So it was it was sort of the master of ceremonies. Um, and I can kind of see that also happening with Bill Malone as he would be oh working my gosh. in a restaurant. So Okay. <laughs> now I and I, I know what I said earlier about Eugene and I had never seen uh, magic performed the way Eugene performed it. I don't mean to interrupt, but backstory. Um I met my friend Frank when I was twelve. Mm-hmm. I had an interest in magic, but Frank performed the French drop and blew my mind. Blew my mind. We were 12, and here was a kid who could make things disappear. I was like, you have to show me how you did that. Um, <laughs> that was, I'm 57 now. That was 12,000 years ago. We've, yeah. We're still friends. So Frank and I, performing magic we're maybe 15 16 frank was driving so he was probably 16 he has about six months on me i was maybe still 15. we went to a place on the south side called houdini's pub and pizza magic mm-hmm. and i believe that bill and his wife owned the establishment i don't know that for a fact but i think that was their place and they had a small stage and they had magicians that circulated, uh, performing close up. And I remember us going to check it out and we're like, wow, that's really cool. I wonder if we can get a job here. Yeah. So we talked to, I don't know if we talked to Barbara, if we talked to, I don't remember who we talked with, but they said, come back on this date and you can perform for some of the people um, at the table, it was like a weeknight, so it was going to be a little quieter. Right. Um, and we'll see how you guys do. And if you work out, then you can work here. Well, this day comes. It is the coldest day of the year. 
probably the coldest day of the year up to that point in <laughs> Chicago. Okay. So it was minus whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't International Falls, Minnesota cold, but it was <laughs> cold enough that the dashboard in people's cars were cracking, mm -hmm. cars weren't starting. And we're thinking, what are we going to do? Are, are we going to go? We can't, we can't cancel. This is, this is our big break to audition for, <laughs> for Houdini's Pub and Pizza Magic. We got in our car. We drove. It was a few miles from where we lived. We drove. We get there. Nobody's there. Bill and his wife are there. Yeah. Nobody's there. Nobody's out. Nobody's on the road. We walk in and Bill's like, hey, how are you? Super, super sweet. Bill Malone, super nice guy. Yeah. Um, he's like, nobody's here. <laughs> he goes, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. He goes, come on, hang out at the bar. So there we were sipping Cokes and eating pretzels and popcorn. And Bill Malone is doing card magic for us. Mm -hmm. Private audience. Again, I remember this like it happened yesterday. It, it, it just completely fried my mind. And he yeah. was very low key, um, super funny, um, but he wasn't like he was, you know, you see him performing for groups. Um, he, he was very casual and very humble and low key. He wasn't um, busting out the jokes for us, um, right. but he was like, hey, you guys come here, let me show you this. And he was showing us moves and uh, that day I will take with me forever. Did you come super back? Super sweet guy. Did you come back at a later no, time? Thing, are you or? kidding me? That was After it. watching him do card magic, we got in the car and we're like, we're not ready for this. We're, not, we're not that <laughs> we're level. Not, we're not worthy. We are not worthy. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, you, you had uh, beforehand, we were just talking briefly about uh, Ricky Jay also. And that was another one oh. I think could kind of, you have a great story about him. So uh, th these are, these are, I don't collect things, right? I mean, I have a couple of, items magic items that 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 i appreciate mm -hmm. means something um, to you sure that means something to me um gabe fahuri um for those of you that don't know gabe he owns potter and potter auctions um he recently had an auction of david roth uh, memorabilia stuff from david's personal collection and there was a ricky j poster that was inscribed um to david and for those of you that don't know when Ricky Jay was performing his um, 52, 52 assistance. assistance show. Um, it debuted in New York, I think, Correct. and eventually came to Chicago. Right. Um, and it was at the old Vic Theater, I think, for a while in uh, in London as well. Sure. Yes. It and was. then it was on HBO as a special. It was on HBO. I'm I'm wondering how did HBO coerce Ricky Jay into allowing his show to be filmed to be recorded yeah because i know he was very particular about i don't that. i don't i don't know ricky jay i met him once that's my story but he just didn't seem like the kind of guy yeah. that would be like oh yeah sure no problem well david roth was considered the 53rd assistant so here's my story okay and and i, I don't collect stuff but i collect memories and i have a few memories you know my memory of bill malone my memory of meeting eugene berger um my memory of working for jay marshall at magic inc so i mean i have and you remember I when collect. i sat there with you and david parr the first time you oh met my gosh me and... 
The first time I met After Scott Magic Wells Cabaret. was at the Magic Cabaret. Um, and he pointed an indiscretion out to me that I was not aware of. I don't know if you remember this. We were we had a bookmark in a book. Oh, and I, I, I may have forgotten to take the bookmark out before the show started. You're like, you don't want to have that bookmark. Yeah. <laughs> That's another story. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I got to know Eugene. Um, fairly well, um, as as did many of us living in Chicago. Eugene was very generous with his time. He was very generous with his friendship. Um, a lot of us would get together, go out as groups to eat, dinner, lunch, what have you. Um, so Eugene was really involved in the Chicago magic community. And, and mm-hmm. he was really... Um, he was really, as a friend, he was very generous. So he calls me up one night. He says, hey, do you want to go see Ricky Jay and his 52 assistants? I'm like, what kind of question is that? I said, of course I do. <laughs> yeah. He said, okay. He goes, I just got a last minute gig. I cannot go. I'm going to do some name dropping in this story. But it's not to drop names. It's to share how excited I was about <laughs> okay. this evening. Because it's one of my favorite magic memories ever so eugene berger says to me meet paul harris at my apartment he'll have your ticket you and paul harris you know close-up kind of guy Mm -hmm. paul harris twilight paul harris (laughs) paul harris books of astonishment paul harris i'm like that paul harris he's like yes that paul harris Meet him at my apartment. You guys can take a cab up, and I'll see you guys after the show. I go to Eugene Berger's apartment. Those of you that want to visit Chicago and pay uh, homage, you can visit 1260 North Dearborn, and that's where Eugene lived for as long as I can remember. Um, Ring the bell. Paul Harris answers the door, lets me in. There's Paul Harris. I mean, I'm a kid who grew up in the 70s doing magic. Paul Harris was like... (laughs) Had all of his books probably back then too. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all still they're all bookmarked and dog-eared, right. and they're all sitting on my shelf. Great stuff. And I was like, hi, Now I'm in my 30s, right? I didn't think I was gonna be starstruck. And yeah, Paul was super mellow, super nice. Yeah. We get in the cab, we get to the theater. We're standing in the lobby. David Roth walks up. All right. Mm-hmm. Eugene Berger, Paul Harris, David Roth. In one night, David mm-hmm. Roth walks up. He's like, hey, Paul, how are you? Um, you guys are going to love this show. And he, he turns to me specifically, goes, you are going to love this show. And it's like he'd always known me. It wasn't like, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. It was just super friendly from the get-go. Yeah. Watch the show. Great show. Mm-hmm. He was so good. It, it was such um, an effect affirming sort of experience for somebody who wanted to perform magic for real people. Here was somebody performing at a very high level. There was humor, there was drama, um, there was mystery. My favorite part of that magic show, and this is when I knew that there was hope for me yet, Ricky does a multiple selection and i think he closes the first act where he finds 10 different cards mm-hmm. and at one point he turn he's holding the deck he's holding the deck 
like this maybe, I don't remember how, he, I think he's holding it like this. At one point he turns to the woman and says, and your card was? And he does the old pull the hair and he pull the, the card up. Yeah, he <laughs> with the, the visible hair. <laughs> I thought, and the audience just died laughing. I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> here I am worried about something new and here's somebody who's embraced these old I want to say bits they're more they were more mm -hmm. than bits um but it was so funny and I just remember that moment specifically in the show where I thought wow there is hope for me <laughs> there's hope for me <laughs> not that I can do the card magic that Ricky Jay can do yeah um but his sense of humor was delightful. So after the show, Eugene says, hey, you and Paul hop in a cab, meet me at the restaurant across the street from my house. Okay, mm -hmm. so we go back, we're at the restaurant, Paul Harris, Eugene Berger, David Roth shows up, Mike Kozlowski, I don't know. I know Mike. The people that know Mike, he's the one that invented dollar the $100, bill. $100 dollar bill, bill. Yeah. Switch. I mean, that's like, if that's the only thing that he's ever contributed to magic, he can rest easy, right? <laughs> super nice guy, Chicago yeah. guy, super sweet, Ricky Jay. So it's Paul Harris, David Roth, Eugene Berger, Mike Kozlowski, Ricky Jay, and myself sitting mm -hmm. around the table. I would, if I were in that group, I'd look around and say, one of these things doesn't belong. Wow. <laughs> That's, I just what am sat I doing there all night long like this, <laughs> just listening. Yeah. Just listening. And I remember at one point, it was a friendly conversation. At one point, Ricky just turned to Eugene. He said, hey, do you really believe you can teach people how to do magic? <laughs> <laughs> and Eugene sort of sheepishly laughed. And he's like, well, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> and here I was. I mean, it was like Jerry Garcia, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Jimmy. Ha I mean, these were guys who I had only read about in books. Mm -hmm. um, so, so my to finish my Ricky J story, Gabe has for auction the poster mm -hmm. from 52 Assistants, mm -hmm. and it's David Roth's copy of the poster inscribed by Ricky J and mm -hmm. it's something like to the remarkable Mr. Roth trusted and valued 53rd assistant. Mm -hmm. Um and I saw that poster and like I said I don't collect anything but I said I have to have that poster. I have to. So I just you know they did credit card for as much as I could and I got the poster. How great is that? So it's like that whole story came full circle. Very and cool. It just as Very a kid cool. growing up on the south side, you run into these guys and you're like, what? Pinch me. This is crazy. <laughs> so all those things obviously contributed to your your passion for magic and how that you continued then and then decided, I, I love Chicago and everything. And you and I assume David Parr had been friends for a long time before you came up with them with the idea of the Magic Cabaret uh, downtown. Well, and that ran for like, what, 18 months or something? Or how long was oh, that? Oh, geez, no. Um, the Magic Cabaret... <laughs> ran for close to 10 years 10 years wow am i way off okay now, I, I was i was there for s about six of those years okay and then i left 
to move to Galena and David and Joe Diamond continued the show. Okay. Um, David and I met probably through Eugene um, because I know David and Eugene were close. Uh, but David was living just south of the magic shop. He used to come in on weekends when I was working there um, at Magic Incorporated. And that's really how we started talking. Um, I had I had co-created another show called Magic Chicago um, with uh, Benjamin Barnes and Robert Charles. And I was there for maybe six months. And then I went on to do uh, Magic Cabaret with David. Um, so, so David and I did that show for quite a while, uh, once a week. Um, and that was just, as it sounds like a cabaret where the two of you were doing things when I had seen the show again, it might mention when I was introducing you as far as yeah, not, not, it wasn't close up. It was a parlor situation where you were doing stand up, for sure. And it wasn't yeah. like stand up comedy. I mean, it wasn't like a no. Harry Anderson type of uh, stuff. I mean, there were really some mm -hmm. mysteries and things that you had uh, done and you, you, I thought your characters complimented each other beautifully as well. Thank you. That was my goal in working with David. I thought to myself secretly, not so secretly, I, but we spoke about this, um, but I didn't want to analyze it too much. Um, there's, um, I want to say sibling rivalry probably isn't the right word, um, but growing up as kids, uh, as a kid, um, one of my favorite uh, comedy teams were the Smothers Brothers. Of course. So I sort of loved the way they played off of each other. And there was bickering, but but they cared about each other, clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for David and I, at least for me, hopefully the goal was to create a show where these two very different personalities present a magic show. And David and I were, were firm on wanting it to be a magic show show. We mm -hmm. didn't want to shy away from the fact that we were magicians. We did magic. We want you to come. We didn't want to call ourselves, I don't know, all the other words that people use besides magician or magic show. We wanted mm -hmm. to embrace Chicago and the word magician and the term magic show. But our goal was... And that was different from Sh Magic Chicago because that really featured other magicians, whereas Magic Cabaret sure, was just correct. the two of you guys. The other yes. one was more of a variety of, of revolving magicians. Correct. The original concept with Magic Chicago was sort of to um, bring a bit of Monday Night Magic, um, mm -hmm. like Michael, Michael Chout show in New York, right. um, where there was sort of a, a collective of magicians. And was that in the same um, theater where you had done the cabarets or is that a different part? Of uh, the that was in a completely different location. Okay. Um, and then David and I um, decided we, we wanted to do a show weekly. Uh, Magic Chicago was once a month. Um, David and I wanted to do something on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and we want, initially we started, we'd have, we'd have a guest performer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we realized that the guest performers, um, uh, as wonderful as they were, we had sort of created this show with a, a, a faint through line. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we're throwing in this guest act. A variety act almost. A variety act. And yeah. It, it changed the dynamic. Magician. Uh -huh. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So we decided that we were just going to add, you know, a couple more minutes each 
and do the show. So the show was David and I opening the show, and then each one of us would perform a piece, then we would perform a piece together, then each one of us would perform something individually, and then we would we would end with a piece together. Mm-hmm. Um, but But the goal was always to play off of each other in terms of our personalities. For me, my hope was that that was going to be the the, the through line for mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, here I am annoying David. Um, and, you know, here David is being annoyed by me or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately we come together and we perform something. So it really end, becomes think, more theater rather than just yeah. uh, unrelated yeah. one magic trick after another one. I know at the Peller Theater at the Magic Castle, they often will book two magicians. Let's say I've seen Dave Cox and Bruce Gold work together, similar to sure. what you're talking about, where they start yeah. off together, then the two of them come back and forth. The same thing with... Um, um, Paul Draper and Christian Cadigal. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> so those kind of guys have a nice dynamic. So not everybody yeah. can have that kind of working relationship and friendship uh, without there being some uh, jealousy, animosity or something or bickering in which that they're going to maybe break apart. But, you know, the ones I'd mentioned, you included, that seems like had a, yeah. you, you could tell that you were comfortable in your roles. Yeah, we, it, and it, it the good thing for us both was we weren't an act like it wasn't Siegfried and Roy. Um, we were two separate performers yeah. and we always agreed on the magic and we always agreed on how we wanted to present the show to the audience. I mean, there were moments where we might argue about something, but we never, yeah. it, it was more like, well, should we use um, a, a red silk here or should we use a green silk here it was never arguing about the magic it was more arguing about the particulars artistic or more a discussion more a discussion mm-hmm. than it was gotcha you know, okay no drop down drag out fights or anything like and that. so after about six years again you decided that you were going to move out of chicago and decided to galena because galena is probably what about 40 miles north of uh northwest oh, galena of- Galena is, is three hours northwest. Oh, of wow. Okay, I'm way out. I, th- I, yeah. I knew it was north. I didn't know how far yeah. north. I thought it was. I knew it wasn't yeah. a suburb, but uh, well, okay. Galena, Galena is number three in the state of Illinois for tourism. Isn't so it up it's kind Chicago, of near Springfield, yeah. near Wisconsin, near? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's right here. Um, it's sort of the tri-state. It's it's Illinois. It's I'm I'm pointing as if there's a map here, <laughs> and nobody can see me because no. it's a podcast. Um, it's it's the northwest corner of Illinois. We're about 18 miles, 15 miles from Dubuque and maybe 10 miles from Wisconsin. Okay. I was going to say Lake Geneva, but you're not wearing your... Um, uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, uh, starts with a G, but a different magician. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tristan Christ is in Geneva, Lake Geneva. Oh, okay. Um, so... The uh, so why'd you find Galena? I mean, of all places, rather than just going to the other part of Chicago, I mean, you got yeah. three hours out of town. Yeah, well, here's the long story short I was working a day job to support my family. Mm-hmm. I used to work for the American Library Association, producing conferences for them. The atmosphere. The environment was changing drastically. Uh, things were changing for the association. Uh, people were getting laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I knew somewhere in the cards that this was going to be happening to me. Uh, some things had gotten outsourced that I was doing in-house. Um, also, my wife and I had bought a condo, 2006, I believe, and this was right as the market nationwide was just tanking. So it was this perfect storm. Our condo, we were underwater. Um, my My job... It looked like I probably was going to get laid off. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of took the bull by the horns. We talked to our real estate attorney, who's a friend of ours. We uh, negotiated a short sale for our condo, which was hard to do. Um, and we moved to Galena. Um, in that time, I had been let go from my position. Mm -hmm. um, so we were free um to go i had you know shared this with david probably six months before everything came down i said i think things don't really look good right now i think i'm gonna get let go mm -hmm. and if i let let go we're gonna move um so we made arrangements for a replacement um and then in 2013, after everything was finalized, I had been let go from the association. Um, we moved to Galena. Now, why Galena? My wife had an aunt who was a nun just outside of town. There's an order of nuns that was founded in the 1840s. Hmm. Her aunt was one of those nuns, not from the 1840s, but from, you know, <laughs> the 1960s. Uh, we used to come up and visit her. Yeah. And we thought to ourselves, this is a great town. Um, there's not much going on here. Um, it would be great to move out here. I wonder if I could do a magic show here. But it was just sort of out there in the ether. It wasn't yeah. a reality um, until these things. Yeah, stars all aligned and kind of yeah. uh, forced yeah. you, your hand, then, so to speak. And then trying to find it, that location of where you uh, are currently. What's the name of the, uh, the theater? Or where are you? Well... Um, the name of the business is P.T. Murphy Magic Theater. Okay. And I'm located right in the heart of downtown Galena. Um, and I have a, a, a tiny little 24-seat space um, mm -hmm. that I've sort of converted. Um, it, it's, I want to say I modeled it after the close-up room at the magic castle but it's not as opulent as the close-up room um, so do you do rake, both close-up and stand-up in there it's parlor like you said yeah um, mm -hmm. I, i'm standing up and performing okay um i'm not sitting down um but but there are a few things that happen um that are that are smaller mm -hmm. um but but the space is small enough that i can do that sure um and um my 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 originally i called gabe Ferrari and i was like hey you know i've just been to galena illinois and i was thinking maybe i should open a magic shop and do a magic show in galena and this was maybe 2011 early 2012. um I don't remember what year exactly, but Gabe responded with, oh, hey, John Carney's going to be doing a show in Galena this summer. And I thought to myself, what is John Carney doing in Galena? 
Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, uh, John grew up in Iowa, and he's going to be out there for the summer, and he's going to be workshopping some stuff. And I thought to myself, oh, no, here goes my dream right out the window. Mm-hmm. My wife and I went and saw John's show. It was wonderful. John was a super sweet guy. Afterwards, I said to my wife, well, he's probably going to fall in love with Galena like we did, and he's going to want to stay. And, you know, this is a great place to move to, especially if, you know, he knows the area because he's from Dubuque. And then I sent him an email. I said, you know, John, this isn't something I usually do, but are you planning on staying? And his response (laughs) was, no, give me a call. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Here's my contact list. Um, here's the person I was renting the theater from. Uh, he was super sweet, super gracious. Um, so that was just another sort of signpost for me saying, okay, everything's falling into place. Yeah. You know, even though I'm losing my job, <laughs> even though I'm losing my job, well, I remember. for me. I remember hearing about that when John was there. I want to say for like for the summer, he was there for two or three months or for a period of yeah, time. Yeah. He was there for the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of a one-off thing. And I thought, mm, that's, that's odd. I don't remember how that I'd heard about that, but I knew that he had uh, some sort of a venue. So that's the one that you ultimately took over for the PT Murphy. Theater. Well, that space is the space that I started out in because it was the only space I knew about. Mm-hmm. Without going into a lot of detail, I was warned, forewarned, um, by John and other people in town that the person that I was renting this space from um, may not be the most reputable person to do business with. Mm -hmm. So I went in knowing that that first year was just to establish myself, and then I would hopefully find a different space. Um, I have a great story about the owner of that original space. Um, They ran a trolley business and the trolleys weren't up to code and the state and the feds were called to investigate this person's business. And while they were investigating this business, um, they also were taking a look at her property and behind the property was a little theater where I was doing the show. And, um, one thing led to another and and she freaked out and locked all my props in the theater. Oh my gosh. There was no way. And, and this was like my last show of the season, right? There was no way I was going to be able to get my stuff out. She changed the locks wow. on the theater. Now I thought to myself, what would Harry Houdini do? <laughs> well, Harry Houdini would pick the locks. Of course. And I thought, well, the last thing I want to do is get caught breaking and entering into a business that's not mine. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, I still have the key to the office. She gave me the key to the office. Uh And in the office were the new keys to the theater. (laughs) So I went in, I opened the theater, I took all my stuff out, and then I locked everything up, and I put my key under the door, you know. Right. So that they would have that key. I didn't want to have any keys to a right. place that I wasn't doing business at. And I remember my friends who worked there, the ones that had warned me before I started, they were like, oh, it was hysterical. She was so upset. She's like, how did he get his stuff out of there? How did he get all of that stuff? <laughs> and as a magician, I was very proud of myself. 
And as a law-abiding citizen, I was proud of myself. You did it the right way. Yeah, I did it the right way. did the right way. So, yeah. And then I was able to find the space that I'm currently in. Um, I have a great landlord. Um, I have a great location. I have this little loft space above me. um, And I'm centrally located to visitors coming to Galena. And you say it's a high tourist area then, too. In in the final moments we've got over here of uh, the podcast as well, I want just to, you say you're celebrating in your 10th year of uh, being there in Galena. How do people find the theater if they want to come see the show or get tickets? I'm sure there's an online uh, place. They can visit my website, ptmurphy.com, and you can purchase tickets online. It's probably the fastest and easiest way. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, you can do so at the website, um, or you can give me a call. There's also another website if you're visiting Galena, and I highly recommend a visit to Galena. It is, if you live in Illinois especially and you've never been to Galena, you're going to freak out because Illinois is so flat in some parts, but mm-hmm. there are so many hills in Galena, you're going to think you're in another country. Um, but you can visit the tourist uh, the Tourism Bureau, which is visitgalena.org. So I'm at ptmurphy.com, and then more on the city, visitgalena.org. Are you planning on anything special for your 10th anniversary? Or for staying this year? In business. Doing... Staying in business. Um, <laughs> staying in business. More of the same. Um, I just bought a new suit, so mm-hmm. get ready for a new look. Um, I have a few new things I'm going to put in the show. Yeah. Um, I've reached out to the Visitors Bureau. Um, hopefully, um, there'll be some more press and that sort of thing. Um, but it's so busy here, and I feel so fortunate to be here that I just want to celebrate my 10th year by having as busy a year as I possibly can. Do you do more than just the one show once a week or do you do two in that same night? Or have you thought about expanding? It it depends on the, the time of year. Yeah, exactly. In the busy season, I can do six to 10 shows a week. Okay. Um, this the- month has been fairly busy. I've been doing four shows a week in January because the weather's been cooperating with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm open all year round. Uh, I do a lot of shows because I only have 24 seats. Yeah. I like I like the size. The intimacy is nice. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it's a selling point for the people, people that have been here before. I get a lot of return customers, which yeah. even freaks me out even to this day. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful. They bring their friends. They tell their friends. But they all say the same thing. It's so awesome. We're so close. I've never seen a magic show this close before. You've had a long and varied career. So I know that uh, there have been a lot of things that you've uh, told us about as far as what have inspired you and, and everything. So what kind of inspiration can you give our guests? What I'd like to close with the podcast is, since it's called the Magic Word Podcast, of what is it that is your magic word or phrase? What's your philosophy? Wow. What's important um, to you? Th- there is there is a term that my friends and I have been um, banding about since I moved here. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Gordon Meyer, um, who's an author, um, he and another friend of mine, Fred Turner, we sort of 
hunkered down during the pandemic and we would do weekly um, magic calls and we'd share tricks back and forth and we'd share books and videos and that sort of thing. So that mm -hmm. sort of kept us going through the pandemic. But one of the terms um, that we bandy about is living the dream. So Gordon will say, um, ah, you're living the dream. And it dawned on me a while ago Heck yeah, I am living the dream. As a kid, mm -hmm. I dreamt of becoming a magician. And here I am. I'm supporting my family. I have a nice house. I have two cars that I have to pay off. <laughs> um, but I'm able to buy clothes and food and nice things. And I am living the dream. But there is a lot of hard work that goes in to making that dream a reality. And it's not bad work. It's it's work that I love to do. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you want to live the dream, the dream is the initial seed. Working hard uh, to reach that dream, it, it's not just going to happen by itself. You just don't wake up or fall asleep and you're automatically a magician. Um, there's living the dream, but there's also working the dream. Um, because I love what I'm doing and I pinch myself every day I wake up and I'm grateful every day, um, every evening I leave after a show. But there is a lot of hard work yeah. that goes in to sustaining this sort of thing. And keep, keep that in mind as you're working towards your dream. That's great. Yeah. What I hear you saying is feed your dreams because that's what's going to dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Make I remember Eugene used to say, you know, you're a professional magician when it's eight o'clock and you've got to go to work. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Good place to close. PT, thank you very much for being my guest today. This has been Thanks, just delightful. Scott. It was great talking to you. It was good seeing you. Hopefully I'll see you in person later in the year. I hope to uh, stop up to Galena and see the show there sometime. When oh, I'm yeah, you're Chicago always welcome. I have to drive up there to uh, to see that. That's great. Well, congratulations uh, again on the 10 years, and I hope you have another 50 there. Thank <laughs> you. Be great. I appreciate that. You Same to you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So Take the Magic care. Word Podcast. That was P.T. Murphy. This is Scotty Al. Thank you, Patrick, for being my guest this week, and it was really fun to catch up after all these years we've been apart, and I'm so happy that you are celebrating your 10th anniversary there in Galena, Illinois. So uh, congratulations, and I hope you do another 20 or 30 years there. It sounds like you're really killing it. And I hope that you, the listener, have gotten something out of this then as well that might inspire you to follow your dreams then as well. Speaking of dreams, or perhaps nightmares, I want to go back for just a moment where we had discussed Nightmare Alley. For those of you who might be interested in purchasing the book that he was recommending, if you'll go to themagicwordpodcast.com, there you will see a link to Amazon, and you can then purchase the book there. And which is another thing I would recommend if you have to, any interest in purchasing anything on Amazon, make sure that you follow the link that's on every page of the MagicWordPodcast.com's blog, because by doing that, you're able to assist us financially because Amazon gives us a few pennies out of uh, every sale that they make, I guess. So it hadn't been much, but 
penny by penny, we're starting to grow. We'll soon get up to 10 or $15. Anyhow, so thank you guys very much for continuing to support The Magic Word. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, if you can help us in another tangible way by giving us your financial support, I would appreciate that. If you can't, then if you'll just give us a five-star rating and some nice comments in the uh, comment section of the iTunes uh, program or whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast, I'm sure there's some place there where you can give us a good rating, which does help us expand our listener base as well. Well, we have another blast from the past that is a friend who will join us next week. And if you'd like to know who it's going to be, make sure that you subscribe to our pod letter. And again, if you go to our website, you can then just subscribe. There'll be a little pop-up there that will uh, have you subscribe. And we have reached 1,200 people who are on that newsletter list, or as I call it, a pod letter list, which lets you know who is on from week to week and also some suggestions from the archives. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to work hard to make your dreams a reality, and then live your dream. This is Scotty out.